I want to give a couple of shout outs this morning because there are some people standing in so some people can have some Father's Day off. So thank you, Maddie, for letting Pastor Larry have a seat and have the Father's Day off. Um, and thank you, Warren and Stephanie. Where did you guys end up? There's Stephanie. There's Warren. Thank you. Um, Warren and Stephanie stepped in at the last minute. And our uh, Dave uh, is, Dave Thomas is with um, one of his kids for graduation this weekend. So thank you. We're really delighted to have you here and Hope you know a little bit more of God's family for being with us this morning. So thank you for that. Um, one of the things that we love to do as a family is we love to climb mountains. We kind of figured that out by accident. We'll tell you that story later, how we ended up climbing a mountain with a four-year-old for a wedding. It's a, it's a story. Um, but I love Mount Rainier. And I don't know if it's just because I'm a military transplant or what, didn't grow up with mountains. But I, I love this mountain, and I try to get to it at least every year. We're going to try backpacking for the first time there this summer. And I love the mountain, whether you can see it or whether you can't. We've gone up as a family. We've been, we've been going up since Reed could fit in a backpack. And then, uh, yep, and that was a beautiful day. And then the next year we went out without him and it was not beautiful. It was a whiteout. And you know what? I still loved it anyway. I still love when we're down here and um, especially like this time of year when you don't know if the mountain's going to be out or not. And it just kind of, my breath just kind of catches when I see it sometimes, right? And I just don't know if it's going to be one of those days where um, it's in its full glory or if it's hidden. But it's this remarkable thing that I think whether you're a, tr a true bred Washingtonian or not, you can appreciate that um, it's true that the mountain's there whether you can see it or not. And that's just such a, a, a miraculous wonder um, if you haven't grown up here that there is... There is something that exists in all its majesty, and sometimes I can see it and sometimes I can't, but it's there no matter what, right? And I think in the same, in very much the same way, we believe in a God who is beautiful and incomprehensible and majestic, um, whether we see him or not, that sometimes that we just get these moments where he just, his presence just pops out and stuns us, like, whoa, there he was, Right? And then there are so many other times where you're just like desperately peering through the clouds. Like, I know you've got to be there, right? Um, but his presence can feel obscure. But we can train our eyes, just like we Washingtonians also always know where Rainier is, right? She's right there, whether she's out today or not. We can train our eyes. We can train our souls to know God's presence in the center of our lives, unmoved, um, whether we can see him or not. Our whole being can respond, even in times of anxiety, with the confidence that God is still there in the center. As we've been saying in our um, benediction for this series, his kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I. White out or clear view, the condition is the same. We're in a series that is looking at images from Revelation that give us security in times of anxiety. Revelation is a letter that was written to a church that was experiencing a lot of uncertainty. The world was crazy. Um, it was hard to be a follower of Jesus. And God wanted to send a message to his people once again that they can be confident that God is unmoved. The eternal situation has not changed. And I think we're in a season in our culture where we could use some solid ground too. Amen? Some confidence 
that however crazy things appear, God is in the center. He is unmoved. Um, and so I'm hoping that we can find that we, um, can we just, can you just take, take a deep breath, just take an inhale and an exhale, just a, okay. I hope, what I hope for you is that by the end of the service, that inhale, that inhale, exhale feels a little bit more real in your soul as well. Um, that you feel like you've taken a deeper breath, that you know that God is in the center, that he is in control, and so we aren't, and we don't have to be. So let's hear God's word from Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to unpack it a little bit at a time today. And so it may be that you want to open up your Bible to Revelation 4 or your phone to Revelation 4 and just kind of hang out there so that, you've, so that you're ready as we unpack this t- together. So hear God's word from Revelation chapter 4. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, And the voice I had heard, first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once, this is John writing, I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Okay, let me pray that as we unpack this story, it would, it would mean something in our hearts. Let me pray for us. Um, Holy Spirit, as you gave this vision to John, as you inspired the words to be passed to us, Lord, would the message to the church still stand? Lord, that as we sit in times of anxiety, you, God, are unmoved and unchanging and beautiful. And you're in the center of our lives. Spirit, would you make it possible to take that deep exhale? to trust you in the center today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the first couple words of Revelation 4, he says, after this I looked. This is John, and he's writing after what? After after this what? Where are we? I jumped forward a little bit from chapter 1 last week to chapter 4. Chapter 4 is coming out of a series of two chapters of shout-outs to all of his church plants. Um, they were all new churches, They did not have it all figured out, and their pastor is now in prison in an island far away. So it's very nice of him to send a message back, right? But this message came from the Spirit, was speaking to the churches about things that were going well, that he wanted to encourage, things that were not going well, and he had some words for that, and he had some words of assurance about the eternal nature of what God was doing in his churches. So after addressing all of those churches personally, John goes on with this eternal vision of security. What is going to take place after this, after this generation of churches in the near future and the far future. And where does the vision go first? What's the, what's the first thing he wants to, them to know about the near and far future? Is it going to be who's the next pastor? What's going to happen with their kids? Who's going to be next in the government leadership? I'd love it if somebody would come and tell me what's going to happen with gas prices. What do you think? Fill up this week? Wait another week? What's it going to be, Right. It's been very interesting. I've been noticing, if you walk down town Port Orchard uh, regularly, I've been noticing that there's an increased um, interest in spiritual medium kind of stuff. I think that people are really interested in wanting to know what the future is 
and willing to put some faith in some cards uh, to maybe figure it out. We want to know what's ahead. Will I be okay? Will my family be okay? Is everything going to work out? And God's first priority is to tell his churches what's going to happen after this. It's so interesting that he doesn't focus on what's happening on earth. It's the highest priority. The first thing that's going to settle him is not news about what's going to happen here. He'll get to that. But his first thing is to bring us up to a place that covers the past, the present, and the future. First thing he wants to give us is an eternal picture of a throne room. And something like the Wizard of Oz happens here. Like, I don't really know how else to describe this, but John seems to go from, like, his black and white world to a world that's beyond technicolor, right? This other place where there's a throne where we don't even have a clear vision yet of who's on the throne. Whoever's on the throne is so indescribable that he only has colors to give you as descriptions. And so stunning that best he's got is this, this one who's sitting on the throne had the appearance of jasper and carnelian and is surrounded by an emerald rainbow. Isn't that so interesting? The first the first concept that we need is there is an indescribable, unmoving, unchanging beauty in the center of time and all things. So John last week, if you remember, uh, John wanted to give us the, f- the first gift of God's presence with us, right? God is with us. And now he's taking us up into this eternal perspective, this heavenly perspective to see that God is at the center of all things. So he is with you in your present life. Hey, church that's full of anxiety, want you to know that. But now that we've gotten a message to you, to the churches, and um, now that you're still probably pretty anxious, now I want to take you up higher. And I want to show you a bigger perspective as well. God is with you. And God is in the center. And he's not just idly sitting on a throne. That would be some weird kind of power trip or something, right? If it was just God up there on the throne idly by himself. But what, what God is in the center of is this picture of worship that Stephanie started telling us about that um, we're going to start describing a little bit more that we reflected on in a minute. And I've even heard people say that that image of God in the center surrounded by worship is narcissistic. I want to unpack that and see why that's not a narcissistic image. It's actually an image for us. It's a gift for us to believe in a God in the center, in the center of worship. You should know that this is not a new image. God's given the same image of the throne about five times now. And every time he gave it to his people when they were in a time of insecurity. So here we go again. We still need it still, right? So it'd be really fun if you like, want some fun, fun uh, experiment for this afternoon, you could go look at 1 Kings, Isaiah 6, um, Daniel chapter 7, and Ezekiel chapter 1. And every time in this Revelation 4, they have, they, there is this internal picture of God sitting on the throne. God is willing to peel back heaven, open a door to heaven, so that we can have security that he's in the middle. It's, um, I really feel like reading these passages is like looking Rainier straight in the face on a clear day. Just popping out, reminding us, summer is coming. Summer really is coming. <laughs> it's amazing reality. 
The center image is meant to ground us with a deep assurance that someone is in control is not you. And it doesn't have to be you. So we got to wrap our brains around this Wizard of Oz amazing image of the throne. And so um, Reed and Kiefer, if I can get you guys' help and anybody else who's feeling like a kid at heart and can't quite see here, you're welcome to come up and around too if you want to get a little closer because we are going to build out this throne room. And I got to tell you, Maddie and I got real creative and it's going to be a pretty epic throne room, don't you think? Okay, so Reed and Kiefer, I'm counting on you. I've got... I know, and see, Reed already knows a couple of these things, but you, but you got it. So we're going to build out a throne room so that we have an image of what's going on here because God uses our imagination, right, to anchor our security. So we start with a throne room. We've already read the throne, and Reed, I know that you made an epic throne room earlier. So do you mind go ahead and put the throne room right on the center of the table, okay? That is your throne room. Okay, so we're going to start. Look. There's a door so that he can get into his throne. Are you guys impressed with that? Okay, so here's our throne in the center. Okay, so now we're going to build out the rest of this. So I've got um, the person sitting on the throne has the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. What do you think that looks like? Do we have anything that's gem-like in these boxes? What do we have? What do we feel is like bright and Okay, hold on to that. I don't think Darth Vader is what we need at this moment. But that is a really great idea. I think these... Oh, we're going to need a rainbow. Go ahead and pull out the rainbow. How about, can we, can Maddie, we'll just take your cue. So we've got like these really bright colors because apparently God is so brilliant that his face is hard to see on the throne. He's just color. How's that? Boom. Okay. And then we've got a rainbow encircling the throne. Can it actually encircle it? Do you think, Kiefer? Do you think you can make it? Not that big. Okay. Let's see what we can do to get the around it. Okay, we've got 24, okay, listen to this. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. Can we get, the, can we get 24 thrones around this thing? Here we go, Maddie. We got, a, we got a rainbow encircling the throne. Amazing. Okay, do you guys like this? This is just how you're picturing it, right? I've got a rainbow wooden toy surrounding the throne, and then I've got all these. These are, my, these are my throne chairs. Do you like them? Okay, so we've got Lego throne chairs all around. And then, uh-oh, be careful with the throne. All right. And then there are 24 elders on the throne. They are dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. Here, here my friends, are finger puppets that are our 24 King, so go ahead and hook the, start hooking those up. Now, um, anybody want to take a guess about what the 24 elders are? Great guess, because, who, you know, we weren't told. Um, but there's the, my, my favorite of, of them that I think makes sense when we start unpacking this picture of God at the center of all things is the idea that these 24 elders are the, the highest-ranking angels that are surrounding the throne. And I'll, I'll, make a, I'll make a little bit of a case for that as we go. Though I, don't, I, th- I really think we're just supposed to imagine that God's at the center of all things. So we've got 24 elders. They're dressed in white. They have crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. That's not actually objective. So could we just make some noise? These are... Pew, pew. I just made pew, pews. Apparently Star Wars is on the brain. It's fine. Okay. Okay, you guys, are, we're, getting all, we're getting all the thrones. This is amazing. Okay, so then around... Before the throne, there are seven lamps blazing. 
And these are the seven spirits of God. It says, do we have seven lamps? Was I in charge of the seven lamps? Do we have anything for seven lamps? Mm, mm. Let's find some yellow Legos. Can we find seven, seven yellow Legos? Okay. Last week in Revelation 1, does anybody remember what the seven lamps were? Quiz time. The seven churches. So we are represented. So you've got this outer, you got this rainbow of color beauty, and then you've got the angelic beings, and then you've got the, um, this, the seven churches represented, all of the people represented. And then also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Some really fun things there about baptism and water that maybe we'll get to another point in time. And then in the center around the throne were four living creatures. Okay, Kiefer and Reed, listen to these guys. I'm sure you have a toy that looks just like this. The first living creature was like a lion. There you go. Second was like an ox. The third was like a face, like a man. And the fourth was a flying eagle. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, come on. Let's let him stand up. I mean, he falls down later, but right now he's standing. Okay. And each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. We don't have that. I don't have that in a toy. We didn't have that, did we? Okay. Okay. These four creatures, why, can you think of a reason why they would pick a lion, an ox, an eagle, and a man? Darth Vader is our man, guys. It's Father's Day. It's fine. Okay. These four creatures represent all of creation with eyes all around, completely encircling all of creation. Is there anybody who's not represented right here in the throne room of God? We're all there, right? We're all there. Listen, God gave us this picture because he wants us to know that we don't have to, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be nervous. There, God is unchanging and he's in the center of our lives. You're not in charge. Your parents aren't in charge. They kind of are. They are in charge of your house. Honor your father and mother. We can talk about that another time. But God is the one in charge and you don't have to be you just don't have to be it looks like your room that is a really great picture of organization it's not chaos it's very organized okay thank you guys for building this out we're going to keep coming back to this um right before you leave i'm going to need a sound effect for the rest of the sermon so can i hear you give me your best oh no oh no wow a growling oh no can i hear can I hear your best sound of relief? Like, phew. Can I hear the best phew? Whew. Okay, good. Because when God is in the center, we're in, we are not in the center, which is kind of an oh no, right? And we don't have to be as our big phew. So I hope you guys can take a deep breath and know that God's in the center. Thank you for coming up. I know Maddie's got some, uh, Paige and uh, Margaret have some fun things back there for you. So I'll, I'll release you, but you'll hear us keep talking about your picture. So thank you guys. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. This is exactly how you picture the throne room of God, right? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I want to I dig into this relief that we are meant to have when we look at this image in the throne room. The angel says to John, come on up. I want to show you what's going to take place after this. And then he gives us this picture. 
This is meant to be a corrective image. This is correcting an alternative image that we often live by, which is the image that we are in the center, that God has come to be with us, and now he revolves around us and keeping our lives the way that we want it and answering our demands. Or we put somebody else in the center and we actually move all of our lives around them. Or we've put something really important that we think is important in the center and we've given all of our life to make sure that thing happens. That is not true. And what happens when you've got someone or something else in the center is you're actually in a pretty insecure place. That would be a high-risk investment that you wouldn't want to make. Because if anything happens to the one person in, this, in the center, if one thing happens to what you want, what you like about that one thing that you've put in the center, you are now on pretty shaky territory. So let's think about it this way. If the lovely um, Carnelian situation was not here, but you, Darth Vader, are now in the center of the throne, what happens is that this picture becomes unstable in a hurry. Because if one thing happens to that person in the middle, health changes, anything that makes you feel competent and effective changes, your, your mental capability changes, um, your financial situation changes, all of a sudden, how are you feeling? Kind of shaky, right? What if you were to put, if I had my business card, if I put that in the center and you put your career in the center, but all of a sudden technology changes and your job is now obsolete? or your boss changes, or where your work is located changes, how are things feeling? Oh, no. Or if you've put your kid in the center of your life, and now something about their well-being is threatened, their opportunity, their safety, their health, how you feeling? Kind of shaky, right? The vision of God in the center came to a people whose world was shaking. It was insecure, which means that something at the center of their lives was shakeable. You see what I'm getting at? If your world's feeling shaky, something in the middle is shakeable. And so God gives them, his gift to us is a picture of something that will not change, has not changed, is not changing, is really, really secure, that you can build your confidence in. This is not narcissism. This is a gift to us. It is a gift to us to have an eternal picture of peace and joy and love that is in shared fellowship between all of the angelic beings, all the world that we cannot see, all of humanity, all of creatures, all of the earth. God is at the center and we're, we get to be part of it. There is a peace and a joy available eternally. And this is a gift to have the door of heaven opened to humanity and saying there's a gift for you in the center of all eternity. And you are invited in. He gets to share this peace with you. Whew. Yeah, okay, we're exhaling already. Awesome. Five times I told you this vision comes up in scripture and there's a very consistent response 
to seeing this vision firsthand? Do you know what it is? It starts with fear. It starts with a fall down repentance. You are God and I am not. I especially love um, Daniel's response. So Daniel sees the vision in seven and then he responds in nine. Takes him a while. I get it. (laughs) And he starts pouring out this prayer, not only on his behalf, but on behalf of all of his people. And as I prayed his prayer this week, this is what I think it would sound like. I thought I was in the center. I was going my own way. I was making up the rules. And I thought I, was, I thought I was doing pretty good. I thought I was living a good life. I was just doing me. Thought I was leading your people okay. Thought we were all doing okay. But we're not. We're not holy like you are. You have a way and we weren't following it. We didn't know it. Forgive us. The corrective response, this, this feels not intuitive, especially to, in our culture. The freedom comes from being corrected, having a revelation, a revealing that w- we are not in the center. Oh no, <laughs> I thought I was supposed to be. And we must repent. There is freedom in that because we've got to admit that the world's a little unstable at the moment. It's a little shaky. And we have played our part in what is currently the wealth disparities of the world, our selfishness, our, uh, our broiling anger and fear, all that we repress. We have been part of that. And so I just want to encourage you in such a light, life-giving opportunity to go home and to, and to picture this throne room and allow yourself the time and the space to imagine being part of it and be filled with the awe and the wonder of God at the center that you are part of all of creation worshiping God and let it do some work in your heart. Let it bring about some awe and even as Isaiah said, some woe. Woe is me for my eyes have seen the king, he says. And don't stop there. Because after the repentance comes the relief. After the oh no, I'm not in the center comes the phew, I am not in the center. I'm not in charge and I don't have to be. God is in the center. The world does not revolve around you. You're not in control. You don't have to be. The image of God on the throne, it's both, it both corrects us, but it also invites us. It's an image of invitation. He actually wants you to see him. He wants his people to see him. That's why he kept coming to them over and over in times of insecurity. He is and he was and he will be. He's unshakable. You have a stable source of power and honor and righteousness and joy and peace and love. And he's in the center of all things. So we start with, oh, no. We go to, phew. And then we go to what I heard some of you say is the response of all people, which is the response of worship. This is what we reflected on earlier. Day and night, they never stop saying, angels, churches, creation. They never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty 
who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, then the 24 elders, all the angelic beings, when we give glory, honor, and thanks, then the angelic beings fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created, and they have their being. Phew! All the angelic beings, all of the churches of all time, all of the creatures of all time, the black bears on Rainier, all of us together are going, phew, there's a God in heaven. He's at the center of it all. I'm not. I don't have to be. And he is so worthy. He's holding the whole thing together. I don't have to anymore. Whew. Isn't that a relief? I told you guys last week, I quoted my spiritual director who said, um, anxiety is imagining a future in which God is not, right? We are plagued by anxiety because we are anticipating a future in which God is not. And so we think, therefore, the future is all dependent upon us. And that is real shaky territory. God was and is and is to come. Anybody catch that switch from last week? Because last week we had is and was and is to come. Because when God first shows up to his people in anxiety, he knows he's got to meet us where we're at. He is. I am with you. Okay. Now that you've got that message that he's with you, now let me take you up and show you the perspective that you can have when God is in the center. The perspective of all angelic beings and all creation is he was and he is and he is to come. And you're just playing your part. He is with you right now. But this perspective that gives us security is he was and is and is to come. And spoiler alert, when we get to the end of Revelation, it's just he was and is. Because there's no is to come. He's with us forever. Isn't that beautiful? I love that in the book of Revelation, those little moments that just remind us that God really is. And let me give you a bigger perspective. He's telling us the story, his story here. So... We're back to, we're back to, oh no, <laughs> when, we, when we get back in that perspective, because we don't belong there. Would you really like today to be in the actual throne room of heaven with all of the angelic creatures and the lion who has six wings and eyes all around? I think it's a little scary. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you think that's amazing. But our, uh, our oh no takes us to the heart of the Father who loves us and who didn't want that picture without us. Our holiness would absolutely drive us to where Isaiah and Daniel and Ezekiel and the prophet in 1 Kings got to, which was, I shouldn't be here. Woe is me. I am a sinner. I am a man of unclean lips. And I come from a people of unclean lips. I don't know what you have me doing here. And in all of those Old Testament pre-Jesus situations, God makes it possible. He atones for them to be there. 
And the story of Isaiah, he's atoned for by taking a coal from the altar of sacrifice and saying, this fire is hot enough and the blood that was spilled here is pure enough to make you pure, Isaiah. And now you can carry my message. That was just one guy in one throne room in the year that Uzziah died. Very specific point in time. Now we live in a place and a time and a part in the eternal timeline where Jesus has made it possible for all of us to access his throne all the time. Because God came as a human being, human beings, unholy, missing the mark. That's the word sin, is missing the mark. We miss the mark because the bullseye is God's on, God's on the throne. <laughs> and we've missed it because we put so much else in the middle. So every time something else is in the middle, we have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We've missed the bullseye. And God came as a man to meet the bullseye, to be the perfect sacrifice for us so that his blood would totally cleanse us, so that we could carry the message that there is a secure eternity, that God is in the center. He is perfectly available to you all the time. Colossians 3.3 says that I have died, spiritual death, and I, my life is hidden in Christ with God, which means that right now, if you have said, Lord, oh no, I can't do it. I'm not perfect to be with you. I have fallen short of your glory. I need your sacrifice. Would your death be sufficient? If you have said that of the Lord, then you are hidden with Christ in God. And where is Christ right now? In the eternal throne room at the right hand of the Father, which means that you have access right now to the throne room. This is a place that you have access to. Scripture says that when we worship, that God is enthroned on our praises. When we worship, we participate in the eternal picture of heaven on earth right now. We bring the center of his presence right here among us. Heaven is not a faraway place like Rainier. We have to drive to get there, and you may not ever make it to the top. God's presence is like a door opening right in front of us to heaven where we now have access to see what's really happening, which is that God is at the center. His kingdom is unshakable. And so, so are we. It would only be natural to end, to end the sermon in worship, right? <laughs> to cry out, to sing out with all of the beings of heaven, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And before we get there, I have to give you an invitation to let Jesus be in the center. To join in all of heaven. And so I'm going to pray. And what I want to invite you to do is to image this throne room. And start your conversation with God wherever you need to pick it up. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are your people in a place of insecurity. We are shaken. And so, Lord, we, we welcome, we welcome the revealing, the revelation that our shakenness is proof that something else is in the center of our lives. We're either disbelieving that you are God with us or we're anticipating a future in which you are not. 
We have wrestled control of our lives from you, but our lives are unmanageable, and we must need you. So we say, oh no, Lord, we repent. We repent of being in the middle. We repent of missing the mark. We repent of disbelieving you. We repent of not wanting someone else in charge. And Jesus, we invite you to ascend the throne. Lord, let our souls have a huge exhale as we allow someone else in control. The one who is all loving, all merciful, the counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Lord, would you sit on the throne of our lives? And we pour ourselves out in worship of you. Would you draw near to us, even as we draw near to you? You have been listening to a Kitsap House podcast. We are located in Port Orchard, Washington, with in-person worship every Sunday. For more information, go online to kitsaphouse.org. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. Thank you, and God bless.